Hey there, and welcome back to Take One, the podcast that brings you just one joyous page of Talmud every day. So joyous that today we have two pages of Talmud, and they are all about, drumroll please, they're all about joy. Have a listen. As it is taught in a baraita, Rabbi Elazar HaKapar, our favorite dude, the esteemed one, says, What is the meaning when the verse states with regard to a Nazarite, and make atonement for him, for he sinned by the soul. Numbers 6.11 And with which soul did this person sin by becoming a Nazarite? Rather, in afflicting himself by abstaining from wine, he is considered to have sinned with his own soul, and he must bring a sin offering for the Nazarite itself for causing his body to suffer. And an a fortiori inference could be learned from this. Just as this person, in afflicting himself by abstaining only from wine, is nevertheless called a sinner, in the case of one who afflicts himself by abstaining from everything through fasting or other acts of mortification, all the more so is he described as a sinner. According to this opinion, Rabbi Ishmael holds that since the woman afflicted herself by abstaining from wine, she must bring a sin offering, even though due to her husband's nullification, she did not actually become a Nazarite. In other words, the Talmud is telling us, what is the great sin? Why are the people who take the Nazarite vow required to bring a sin offering? What did they do? They just wanted to be good, righteous people. No, says Rabbi Razal Kapal. God loves us very much. He wants us to be happy. He does not wish for us to abstain from wine, from food, from the pleasures of this life. And if you go through life basically denying yourself these divinely inspired earthly pleasures, well, my friend, you are a sinner. Here to help me discuss this beautiful concept is a fellow gentleman well acquainted with the earthly pleasures of life. Hello, my friend, producer Josh Cross. Hey, Liel. Now, we have a lot of things in common, Josh, but among them is, shall we say, our uh, sort of extraordinary, inordinate love of all things wine, food, and other forms of earthly fun. Uh, Absolutely. I mean, I think it's one of the most important things that we share. Now, here's my question to you. Uh, We live in a society that is, in a weird way, kind of Nazarite, right? No sooner had you ordered that third martini that someone casts a cool glance saying, well, maybe you've had enough. No sooner did you reach out for seconds or thirds or fourths than you are kind of reminded that moderation is indeed a virtue. We don't really do excess. We don't really do pleasure so well. Is that a fair statement? I would say society generally pushes us in that way. I mean, we still have the... uh cliche of everything in moderation, including moderation. And ultimately, I think that's where I take this page, is that you have to understand that you're not giving anything up in the context of sacrifice or making oneself holy, I guess, as a Nazarite, if that stuff doesn't matter, if it isn't things that you'd rather be having. You know, I first considered this page late last week when I was about to head upstate to where my life changes every week and where I find that I spend my weekdays in the city with my kids going to school and going from thing I have to do to thing I have to do to thing I have to do. And I am living from responsibility to responsibility. And then I unplug myself from that, whether it's in a Shabbat context or otherwise, for the weekend and go do the things 
that I want to do. Almost hedonistic-like. But hold on. I'm actually going to challenge you in this because, again, very much in the spirit of these pages we read today, you don't just do the things you want to do in a kind of like reckless, careless abandon. Uh, I would say that one of the things I feel most kin to you on is the fact that you take your pleasures very seriously. You approach consumption of meat and wine in particular in a very ritualistic manner. First of all, I wanted to describe to me the ritual of preparing a fine meal, indulging in fine beverages, etc.? Well, I think everything that you do for yourself or for other people in particular, and I think this is certainly for cooking and beverages and whatnot, but also I think in my case for curating what music we're listening to or things like that, is you're trying to create a place where it feels good just to be doing and not just for yourself, but those around you. I want my kids and wife when I've made, I don't know, I've smoked a brisket for 16 hours and then served that. When they sit down to eat that, I want to be, them to be like, whoa, this is like, I'm not just eating to eat. I'm eating to enjoy what I've managed to get into my life, whether it's through me or for them or otherwise. I want... I'm eating to remind myself of the truth Elazar Kapara is teaching us today that just the fact that we could be sitting here together enjoying this beautiful brisket is, again, kind of a testament to God's love. Absolutely. And if you have sat on my couch with the right record up at the right volume washing over you, you know that that's what that is. It is being blessed, to use a very Jewish word, it is being blessed with the joy of experience that goes beyond just doing things because you have to do them. It's not just I'm eating a sandwich because I'm hungry. It's I'm eating this thing because I am experiencing it or I'm listening to this record or I'm, I'm doing this other thing. And I mean, I'm not the only one with rituals here. I know you have probably the most complicated and long process for making a martini. And so how does that work into this? Daily at 5 p.m. Uh, I don't judge me. <laughs> You're looking at me like daily. I mean, uh, I, there is a time in my house that is referred to as wine 30. So, yeah. Correct. I, I, I uh, and, and wine judge. 30 comes around 3.30. Right. So that's perfect. Uh, daily at around 5 p.m., I will approach the freezer. I will remove a beautiful martini glass that I kept there for that occasion. I will shave a slim sliver of a lemon peel and then run it over the rim of said glass to release the essential citrusy oils so that once you bring the glass to your mouth, your nose will catch a nice little whiff of that uh kind of citrusy, of that delightful, crisp, tingly, citrusy smell. I will then place a large glass shaker on the scale. I will put three ice cubes in it. I will measure precisely five ounces of my favorite gin, uh, which right now is the Irish delight known as gunpowder gin, with about, you know, a third of an ounce of a very good vermouth that I keep for the occasion. I will stir precisely 39 times, making sure everything is delightfully mixed. Uh, I will place exactly one olive at the center of the martini glass, making sure that it regulates the flow of the alcohol. I would pour the beverage into the cup. I would take a quick sip right away, but know that the first sip is always lying. And then I will drink a second sip and revel 
in the divine delight of a perfect cocktail. Well, I'll drink to that. L'chaim. L'chaim. Thank you so much for being our guest. Thank you. This has been Take One. If you enjoy the show, and I hope that you do, please go rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. And get your Take One merch, t-shirts, mugs, and other great stuff at tabletstudios.com. Each week, we will be releasing new episodes Monday through Friday, covering the entire weekly portion of Daf Yomi. Take One is a Tablet Studios production. The show is hosted by me, Leah Leibowitz, and is produced and edited by Daron Ruskay, Quinn Waller, and Ellie Blyer. Our team also includes Stephanie Butnick, Josh Cross, Tanya Singer, Courtney Hazlett, Robert Scarmucha, and Mark Oppenheimer. For more information, go to tabletmag.com slash takeone or email us at takeone at tabletmag.com. You could find us on Twitter at takeone.fiomi or join our Facebook group by searching for Take One Podcast. I hope we have made your day a little more Talmudic. Thank you.